Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. If you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. All along this Easter season we've been talking about, it is not seeing that's believing, but it's believing that allows us to see. And today, it's our belief that allows us to see that he draws near. Now, Jesus uses this term, uh, orphans, that he will not leave us as orphans. He will come to us, and he will send us another helper. And it made me consider a time in my own life when I felt like I was orphaned by my birth father. My parents divorced when I was very, very young, and and in my mind, it was something that I had done that caused that. Now, I know that's not true, but it's extremely common for children in a divorced home to feel like it's their fault, right? I felt like I had done something wrong, or there was something about me that was unlovable, and that he left because of me. And there was an impact that this had on my life. I I developed into a perfectionist because if I could be perfect, at least in your eyes, then I'd give you no reason to leave. And so this drove perfectionism in my life, which is absolutely impossible. And in the midst of all of my feelings about that, I longed to self-medicate that with addiction, which left me to completely misunderstanding the idea of love and having every relationship in my life be just superficial. There was a total lack of closeness and intimacy, and this passed along to my relationship with God. Because if my birth father would see something unlovable in me, then certainly my heavenly father, who knew me even better than my birth dad, knew all of my faults. And how in the world could he love a mess like this? And so I would withdraw from God. Now, I know I'm not alone. I know there are people in this room today who have felt some feelings of either abandonment or feelings of being orphaned or lonely. Some know the actual pain of being abandoned. Just as I said before, speaking with members of the Haven, I was talking about how maybe that phone doesn't ring as much as you would like it to, and everybody's nodding. But we know the experience of emotional abandonment, not being able to be 100% of ourselves with other people, not being true and genuine with those that we're close to, pretending to be someone other than our genuine self, hoping that others will accept us, trying to be who they want us to be, trying to live that perfect Instagram perfect life, being afraid of being judged for who you truly are, keeping our relationships surface level and just talking about the weather and news events and sporting scores and not about the true grit and grime of everyday real life. And what about our closeness with our Heavenly Father? 
right? Are you real with him? Or do you just pretend with him? Do you just come here and go through the motions, put on your Christian mask, and live who you think you're supposed to live in front of God here and now, but when you go home, you're totally different? Or maybe it's been a while since cracking your Bible open and spending some alone time saturating yourself with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. See, I, I think it could be argued that our world is a culture of orphans that we long to find connection in so many different places, but all of those places where we long to find connection is just so incredibly empty because connection doesn't come from this world. We long for a place to belong. Medicine promises that it can make your life longer and better and healthier externally, but still all of us can't avoid death. Exercise says if you keep a healthy body and a healthy mind and make the right choices, you'll, you'll be healthier and better. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they all say that these likes and shares and retweets that you get equal connectivity and relationships, and they're just wrong. It's not this closeness, this intimacy that God desires for us, that God created us to long for, and, and that God promises to fulfill. Jesus says this, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells within you and will be in you. See, Jesus' visible, physical presence is about to be removed from them. Remember, he's right now in the empty, excuse me, in the upper room. They've been talking. He's been teaching. They've received the Last Supper. They've been, had their, their feet washed. And Jesus had told them that one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to deny me. And he's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray like sweats, like, like, like tears of blood sweating from his body before he's arrested. This is the context. He's about to depart from them to death. But we'll come back. And not only will he come back, but he'll send another helper. And this new helper will be of utmost importance. You see, this Holy Spirit thing is the solution to our feeling alone and disconnected. The solution to this, not from medical science achievements, not from social media, not from education, not from financial prosperity, not from hundreds and hundreds of superficial relationships. The answer is the Holy Spirit, awakening our heart to come alive, to know and love God, and through that love, be able to love, really love other people. And when the Holy Spirit draws near to us, this is how it impacts us. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. Now, this isn't a, like a, something that impacts the other. Like, if you love God, show it, prove it. Let me see it in action. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, if you love God, you will not be able to help yourself. You will love other people. It'll just, it'll just naturally flow. Because you can't have one without the other. You can't love God and hate your enemy. If you love God, you love other people. It just naturally happens. You don't even have to think about it. The love here that Jesus is talking about is that agape-style love, which is that sacrificial love that 
unconditional love, that unending love, that undeserved love. No, our enemies don't deserve to be loved, but you know what? Neither do we. And still God loves us. And so we love others. If you love Jesus unconditionally, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, you will instinctively watch over and keep this command to love others. And I'm drawn by all of this in Jesus choosing to name the Holy Spirit with this word helper. This word helper in Greek is paraclete. And that's got a really cool meaning. Sometimes it's translated as helper, sometimes counselor, but uh, here's the meaning behind it. It's, to, it's somebody who draws near, who draws close to you, knows you personally and intimately, and tells you good advice. In the legal system in, in Greece, they, they, they use this term for a lawyer, an advocate. And we have an advocate who draws near to us, knows our every need, and has the capacity and the desire to give us divine power to carry that out. The right counselor, the right lawyer makes all the difference. And when you hear counselor, I don't want you to think about like a camp counselor or a marriage counselor or any kind of therapeutic counselor. This is like a legal counselor. And the right legal counsel makes all the difference in the world. We fostered our amazing daughter, Faith, 17 years ago, and in that process, we, we started the adoption process. And, and after you go a year in Texas through the foster program, then you have the right to an attorney yourself when you show up in court. There was an elder of our congregation, a great man, his first name is Jeff, and Jeff was, uh, like I said, an elder, and, and he was a lawyer, and he offered to do our case pro bono, which is for free, which is exactly what we could afford. <laughs> at the time. And I remember the first time that, that, uh, that Jeff, as our lawyer, walks into the courtroom with us behind him, the judge actually laughed and said, Mr. So-and-so, why are you in my courtroom today? And Jeff says, well, I'm here to represent the Culbertsons, Your Honor. And in that moment, we knew that we had the right guy because every heart dropped in that courtroom, every head hit the table in front of them. And you could tell that they were already defeated because of the strength of our lawyer on the case. I want you to know this morning that you have an even greater advocate than Jeff. That the enemy, when you walk into this world with the Holy Spirit as the close near you person who is speaking into your life, when you approach every day like that, the enemy flees from you because he knows that your advocate is better than him. In fact, he knows that he has already lost the battle because Christ beat him when he was crucified. He knows the battle's already over. When you walk with the Holy Spirit who draws near to you, you have a powerful advocate in your life. And I, and I love this. this. This Holy Spirit empowers us to follow the Heavenly Father's commands, and He does this in two ways. The first way that He does this is He pulls us and draws us deeper into a, a bigger knowledge and understanding of the gospel. And the second thing that He does is just as important. He empowers us with divine power to carry out the Father's will, to be able to endure hardships, to endure struggles. Not that life will be easier, a piece of cake, but when it stinks, He is there drawing near you. He is giving you power. He is giving you patience. He is giving you strength to survive the struggles of this world. 
and He will never leave you in the midst of it. And when times are worst, He is stronger. He is close beside. And here's how that works itself out in our everyday life. When the Holy Spirit draws near to us and, and digs us deeper into God's Word, and he, he, he imbues us with the divine supernatural power of God, this is what happens. We love God, and we love one another. See, keeping the commands, loving God and loving one another, these commands of Jesus is is motivated by our love for Him. We don't do these things out of fear that if we don't, we're going to hell. Or, or, or motivated that if we do them good enough, maybe we get to go to heaven. No, because our salvation has already been won for us by Jesus on the cross. And in fact, because of that, because of that, we love God. Because He has done so much for us who don't deserve it, who could never earn it, because He has poured out everything for us, that motivates us to do more for Him, to love Him. And how do we love Him? Jesus says, I want you to love the least of these. I want you to love your enemy. Because you, while you were still sinning, still messing around, you, you were an enemy of mine. But while you were still sinning, Christ came for you. While you were still an enemy of God, Jesus died for you. Now go and do the same. Not because you have to, because you get to. Right? This isn't a transactional relationship we have for God. That God says, okay, Tig, I'm going to love you, then I want you to love me, and then I'm going to love you back, and then you love me back, and we'll have this back and forth thing. It's not transactional. It's transformational. He loves me, and it changes me. He loves you, and it changes who you are. It changes your capacity to forgive. It changes your capacity to love, not just those you like, but everybody. It changes and transforms you. And it allows us to be real with each other. You know, I know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. I like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And you all know I'm a pretty transparent guy. I share pretty generously of my life, of, of what's happened, the good, the bad, the ugly. It makes no difference to me. It's who I am. It's who, who God has, has loved. It's who God has changed and transformed. And so I want to share that with people. But I'm not like intimately, closely connected with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, but I am closely, intimately connected with several so important that we have those relationships in our lives that we can be real. And the church should be the place where those meet the most. You don't have to impress anybody here. You certainly are impossible to impress God. So let's be real with each other. If you're in a small group, I encourage you, share something that you've not shared yet. Dig a little bit deeper in that relationship. I'm not saying you've got to haul out all the family skeletons, but maybe a femur or two. Just get it started. Okay, femur's a big one. Maybe a small phalange. Impressed I knew phalange? That's a good one. My dad taught A&P. But just start getting deeper. Get deeper with your group. Get deeper with, with those that you serve with. If you are a part of a group here at church that's not necessarily a small group, get deeper with them. 
just grow deep. And, and what you'll see is you grow deep with each other and you, you have the capacity to share more and more of your life. You can share the joys, you can share the struggles. And then you find out that when I share the struggles, I'm not really being a burden to somebody else. I'm allowing them the opportunity to love me. And when you share deeply with each other, your love for each other grows. And it serves as a model of how we can love God and how God loves us. And we just grow in our faith. Our spiritual formation happens in amazing ways when we connect our faith with one another. That night, the disciples were full of, their hearts were troubled, our text said last week. Troubling times are upon them. Troubling times are upon us in many ways. And Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Today, he says, I got to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come back. And not only that, I will send you another helper. And that other helper is the Holy Spirit who will grab a hold of your heart, wake it up, and pour into you his power through the word of God. And it will empower you with a divine supernatural power to survive whatever it is that this world has to throw at you and come out on top because he has already overcome the world. And may this bring you peace this day that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.